This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast on finals day at Wimbledon, and we have a champion. It is Novak Djokovic for the third time joining his coach Boris Becker as a three-time champion at Wimbledon. He's defeated Roger Federer in four sets, and my name is David Law, part of the BBC Radio 5 Live commentary team. Alongside me is Catherine Whitaker from Live at Wimbledon. We are joined here on The Tennis Podcast by Jim White of The Telegraph, who are our partners here on The Tennis Podcast, which is supported by BNP Paribas. And Catherine Whitaker, Roger Federer's fairy tale has come to an end, but Novak Djokovic, a very worthy champion. A, a worthy champion, absolutely. We've been told today, David, that we've been humiliated on Twitter. Thank you very much to the person that told us we've been humiliated by Novak Djokovic. Of course, we both predicted Federer to win, but it just wasn't the same Roger Federer that beat Andy Murray on, on Friday. I I feel a bit short-changed, actually. He, I mean, he did fantastically well to win that second set, but he still didn't play brilliantly in that tie-break. I... I uh, I think he was tense and nervous throughout. I think uh, he just wasn't hitting his shots in the same way. And I do feel a little bit shortchanged by that final. Well, it's a tough one, isn't it, Jim? What were your thoughts? Well, I thought the second set tiebreak was one of the best bits of sport I've ever seen. It was Frazier against Ali. It was, uh, uh, you know, Tom Watson against Jack Nicholas. It was two of the greatest of all time slugging it out absolutely refusing to yield. I thought it was magnificent theatre, but I actually think it took it out of Federer. You know, he's 33 years old. It's it, Bashing a ball that hard in such circumstances, you can't sustain it. And I'd agree with Catherine. He wasn't at that level of sheer genius uh, that he was against Murray. But then how often can anybody be at that level? And, but also, how much of that is down to the man opposite him? Novak Djokovic has done this time and time again. Think back to the Australian Open final when Andy Murray fought through an incredible second set to level the match at one set all. Who's the guy left standing? How about we give him a bit of credit? He was incredible, Djokovic, today. The, the, the mental resolve that he has got is quite remarkable. 
It, it's just, I mean, it's, it, it's almost a physical thing. When he lost that second set, he whacked his heels with his racket, and you could see the kind of build-up of fury. And it, it, I, I've never experienced a will to win like it. I think Rafael Nadal has got a pretty <laughs> well-advanced will to win. But Djokovic just has taken it on to another level. You mentioned, though, it wasn't quite the same Roger Federer. But in all honesty, maybe were we all just a bit carried away with the romance of the fact that we'd seen him play like that? How can you piece that together twice in a row? That was one of the, We're all saying that's the best tennis we've ever seen. It was certainly, it remains for me, the best three sets of tennis I've, I've ever seen from Roger Federer. But who can do that? time and time again no but as I said in the follow up to that match I said he didn't need to play he could afford to play one level below that and probably still win The prob- I think the problem today was he was so many levels below that it wasn't just yes he, he did produce some good tennis at, at certain points but the way he was hitting the ball to me was completely different there was a completely different sound coming off the racket he didn't seem to be swipe. he didn't have the conviction in his shots it, it, for me it looked like a completely different Roger Federer, it really, I mean, it just wasn't the same bloke that showed up today and I don't know if the, how much he wanted it got to him, but I, 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 do, I just don't think there's any comparison. I don't think it's a question of, oh, he was slightly less good than, he, there's no way he could have produced that again. It was a different bloke that showed up today. He, everything about his body looked tense to me. He wasn't, wasn't, he was hitting the ball in a completely different way. No, I, I do agree with you. I was commentating on the second and fourth sets of that match and, and the, the same thought occurred to me. He doesn't look in anything like the same groove here. He was occasionally coming over the ball a little too much and it was dropping down into the, to the bottom part of the net and, and, and there certainly wasn't the purity of strike on the ball that there was against Murray. But I personally don't necessarily think you can just expect that. It is, it is the final of Wimbledon. I don't think it matters how many times you've done it. it it's, it's part of it. And, and the reason I think we need to give so much credit to Djokovic here is that he keeps coming out and producing on the big stage when he needs to. And he's now won nine Grand Slam titles. Yeah, I think that Djokovic is a different, for all we love Andy Murray, Djokovic is on a different level of opponent. And for Federer, the resources he had at his disposal were good enough to see off Andy Murray. And Andy Murray has been playing brilliantly. But Djokovic is just at that level above. And I think he exposed him. I'd agree with Catherine that maybe there was nerves, maybe there was tiredness, maybe there was, some, there was something slightly not there. But if you ever need to be absolutely on your game against anybody, it's Djokovic. Because he is so good at exploiting any fraction, hint, suggestion of weakness. I do agree with you, by the way, about the second set. I, I remember leaving the commentary box after that 22-point tiebreak, which I commentated on. It was a, a privilege to do so. But I walked out of the commentary box for a little walk around, and I, I, f- I felt totally lightheaded by the, the experience of what I'd gone through. I wasn't even running around. I mean, imagine how the two players must have felt. And there was that moment, wasn't there? I think, I think Federer led that game that he got broken in. I think he led it 40-15. And then he, he lost his way. And look, I mean, that's part of the, the, the greatness of Djokovic for me is that he still keeps coming. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, how he was not mentally affected by what happened in that second set tie break. I feel earlier, by the way, it possibly sounded a bit dismissive of that second set tie break. It was utterly incredible. At the time, 
I was so consumed by the drama of it. I almost hugged Max Verlander next to me. I sort of forgot where I was. Uh, and the drama was such that I was just reacting in the moment and making all sorts of noises and, and behaving in an unbecoming way. Luckily, we were off air at the time. Uh, but it almost seems to have faded a bit in my mind because of what came after. I think that's why I'm not talking about it in the way I hoped I would be talking about it afterwards. I thought, wow, this is the build-up to to an all-time match and then the subsequent two sets were quite flat really I think the weather played a part in that the rain delay it just all didn't come together to be that momentous occasion that the second set tie break promised that did take some of the the wind out of the sails didn't it of the crowd certainly Jim when they had to come off for the rain it was only 15 minutes but it just it just interrupted the flow a bit yeah there was a real sense uh, Catherine's right there was a real sense that this was building up into something just astonishing um, uh, the rumble in SW19 I mean it was just incredible what was going on there and yet yeah, the, the ground was taken from under it a bit and it was also a confusing rain delay because uh, we thought the roof would be closed and then they rather bizarrely decided to close the roof after the end of the match uh, to protect the, the heads of the dignitaries coming out in case there was any extra rain and I thought that really deflated things you know you want to be if you're the champion, I would imagine, just running on adrenaline. And if you're the defeated, the runner-up, you want to get the heck off there. But no, they had to go off, come back 20 minutes later once the roof was uh, back in place. And I think that was a real shame. In some ways, I th- uh, we were talking at the time in the commentary box that perhaps the delay might actually help Federer a little bit from the commentator's perspective because he was... He was playing too much from the back of the court, it seemed to us. He was, he was trading with the best baseliner in the world. And when he came back out after the break, he then started to take it to Djokovic again. He tried to get in, but, you know, obviously I think there'd been a little chat maybe with Stefan Edberg. There'd been, or at least a, a light had gone in his own head. I'm spending too much behind the baseline here. He tried to get in, but it just wasn't there today. Why, didn't, why wasn't he doing that beforehand? Do you think, had, had Stefan Edberg really told him to serve and volley less than he had done in previous matches? And I just can't believe that that would have been the strategy that they'd have come up with. Yes, I know Djokovic is fantastic on the passing shots off both wings, but Federer has been so successful against Andy Murray, for good sake, goodness sake, who, if anything, is even better or at least as good at passing and lobbing as Novak Djokovic. So why he changed his tactics up so drastically, it smacked for me of a lack of confidence. It's, it smacked to me. If I was Novak Djokovic, I'd be thinking, right, well, he's afraid of what I can do if he comes to the net, and that's why he's not doing it. Um, and so rather than going on that court and imposing the way he wanted to play, he was reactive in that match whereas as I said following that Murray match he was he had 100% agency Andy Murray there was nothing he could do as today he was responsive and reactive and yes I know of course Novak Djokovic is a huge factor in that but why didn't Federer take it into his own hands that's that's what you can do with a servant volley well the one thing is though servant volley wise he actually served and volleyed less this year than he did last year if you look at the statistics, he's got into the net more, but in other ways, i.e. from the baseline. So it's not, he was going to have to change the game completely if he was going to do that and just get in on his own terms because he's playing a guy who puts the ball within five inches of his baseline every single time. And as, Nova, as Andy Roddick said on the TV, how would you get into the net of something that is on your own baseline? How do you do that? We can talk about it in terms of theory, 
but wait until the ball's coming towards you at a million miles an hour. Except when the opportunities did arise, I just watched a, uh, a little a montage of um, exactly this that uh, was quickly put together from, from the highlights reel of points where Federer could have come in, where the ball was ever so slightly shorter, and it clearly passed through his mind, and there was that moment of indecision, and he decided not to. He backed off it, and for me, that was a crucial difference. There was obviously something in this mind, in his mind, that's not a tactic I want to employ. That was clear to me. But isn't that, yet again, a demonstration of the fact you're playing Djokovic, who is a man without discernible weakness? That's what he's shown here. So plans you draw up, you think, is that going to work? Is that going to work? I mean, the, the, the kind of the mental uh, uh, time bombs that must be going off in your head when you're facing him. You know, there, there just is no, there's nowhere to work, is there? There isn't anywhere you can go. No, you, I mean, I think the truth of it is you've actually got to produce, you've got to feel in the sort of form that he was in on Friday to beat the guy. That, that, that's all there is to it. I don't even think, I mean, I take your point, Catherine, I think he was, I mean, he was quite some way short of that level uh, today, but I think even if he was just a, a little short of that, I, you're talking about fifth set, eight, six, to one or other, because Djokovic is, is that solid. He's that impregnable in terms of his defence. I, I think... I think the guy's extraordinary. I mean, you know, he, he may not set the pulses racing the same way that Federer does for a lot of people, but the guy deserves total credit, in my mind. And he's won his ninth Grand Slam title. And the question is now, Jim, how much more can he win? I mean, he's only 28 years of age. Well, I don't know if you saw the interview uh, on, the, on the TV when he was standing in front of the honours board here. And uh, the 2015 uh, champion was marked about halfway down the, the board. And he said, there's a lot of room down there. You have to think he's going to be the one who's going to go for it, isn't he? Um, the question will be is, can Federer match for much longer? Probably not. And will Novak Djokovic ever take on the role of favourite in, in, uh, in this arena in the way that Federer has for the last decade? I doubt it somehow. Well, Federer is a one-off. I think we know that much. What I would say is Richard Krajicek, commentating on Five Live, said at the end of our coverage, can we have three years now where we don't say, is this Roger Federer's final year? Because he's perfectly fine physically as far as he's concerned, and there's no reason why he can't come back, reload, and do all this again. I mean, he, he didn't... He looked... He looked tired out there at the end. Who wouldn't be emotionally? But he doesn't... He hasn't looked like an old man this, this week. I mean, he reached the plumbing final of Wimbledon. It's pretty good. Absolutely. Two things to say to that. Number one, I, uh, you tweeted those comments from Richard Krajcek and I read them out on uh, Live at Wimbledon because I thought they were very salient. Uh, it's just such deja vu to hear people talking about an end of an era and, and is Federer not able to win another Wimbledon because we were doing exactly the same last year. So it's frankly preposterous, I think. And there's, his, his age was zero factor, I think, in that match today. Um, and second of all is uh, Mats Volander was asked that exact uh, question about how many more and Djokovic went and he said 8 to 10. Crikey, 8 to 10. He's on 9 now. Now, my math's not that good. What's that? Well, it's between 17 and 19 is what it is. It's extraordinary. He said, why won't he win 2 to 3 for the next four years if he stays healthy? And I didn't have a counter to that, really. Well, if you think about it, Jim, physically, he's quite similarly built to Roger Federer, isn't he, Novak Djokovic? He has that wiry frame that 
I don't think there's an awful lot to go wrong there, to be honest. Here he is at 28. He's got five years on Roger Federer, nearly six. Yes, and, uh, you know, it, Stan Wawrinka was alleged to have had the, the curse on him uh, after the French Open. Um, so the thing is, there are others who can always dispose of uh, anyone who might get in his way as well. Uh, that's, that's the important thing to remember. He'll do his work, but, you know, there's a succession of people he'll be coming up against over the next uh, few years. There certainly will. Well, it's been a lot of fun, hasn't it, watching Wimbledon over the last couple of weeks. Jim, what, what have your highlights been? Oh, I've, enjoyed, uh, I, I, I've enjoyed so much of it. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed Richard Gasquet. I thought he was magnificent. I, I quite enjoyed Nick Kyrgios in very, very small doses. <laughs> And then I loved Roger Federer. Absolutely. Well, who hasn't? Catherine? Highlights, personal highlights, uh, were getting onto centre court at whatever hour it was, about 10pm under the roof, watching Gilles Simon and Gail Monfils. That was like an exhibition match. I wish more people could have witnessed it, but almost the fact that it was just the select few of us, uh, it was open seating in centre court, and it was just one of those special uh, Wimbledon moments and uh, I didn't see much live tennis this fortnight but that was enough it, it was it was enough to sustain me and uh, I think I probably speak for most people that those couple of hours regardless of whether you were Andy Murray fan or anybody else watching Federer play like he did on Friday was just a privilege and well frankly seeing the titles won by two very very good champions over the last weekend and other great winners as well Martina Hingis and Sanya Mirza winning a classic ladies doubles last night as well uh, Takao and Roger winning their first Grand Slam doubles title together Takao has been trying for years he finally got over the finishing line at his fourth attempt there's been some wonderful stories there was also a boys champion today a, a guy i can't remember the guy's name now off the top of my head six feet 11 inches <laughs> tall Catherine whittaker he's only 17 he's called riley apelka he's just walked past us actually oh, no i thought i was looking up at somebody who's that <laughs> hey this t- being tall is my thing pal he's called riley apelka he's got the same uh, agent as john isner he looks a little bit like john isner for obvious reasons uh, and uh, if you want to check it out on Twitter, there is the most magnificent photo of him with Roger Federer taken eight years ago. And Roger Federer is about a foot taller than him. And so he, he's 17 now, so he would have been nine at the time. His father tweeted it today, George Pelka. Check it out. It is unbelievable. Well, we will look out for him. Thank you for your company listening to us, downloading us here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. Our podcast won't end, you know. We'll be back on Thursday at the Davis Cup. Great Britain against France. We'll have a podcast throughout those days of the tie and we'll bring you all the latest Davis Cup by BNP Paribas news over that weekend but from Jim White of the Telegraph, Simon Briggs, all the other contributors from the Telegraph who've made this so much fun for us from Catherine Whittaker and myself thanks for listening to us we'll speak to you soon Hi I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.